When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Secret Squad. Welcome back to a new episode of I've Got a Secret, one that might just save your life. I'm here with the incredible Demi Lee Tebow, philanthropist, self-defense advocate, and the former Miss Universe. After successfully escaping a very dangerous and traumatic carjacking, Demi Lee has dedicated herself to educating and empowering women on the topic of self-defense. She has started a global initiative called Unbreakable, teaching women how to handle life-threatening situations. Unbreakable coaches women on how to react, defend, and protect themselves in life's most challenging circumstances. I'm so excited to talk about this topic. I think it's so very important to have this type of knowledge. This is the secret to saving your life. Thank you for being here today, Demi Lee. Oh, Robin, thank you so much for having me and well, thank you for that introduction as well. Um, and I also just want to say thank you so much for using your platform to inspire so many women um, around the world, but specifically around the United States and just for using your platform to really make a difference and um, to connect with women because I think that's something so needed right now, right? We I feel like we all feel a little disconnected and um, just by creating this kind of a sisterhood oh. with The Secret is is phenomenal and I just want to congratulate you on that as well. I'm so honored to be here, so thank you. Thank you so much for those very kind words because, you know what, I do agree with everything you just said in that it is very important that we as a sisterhood really collectively reach out to each other and do everything we can to help Uh, as we are doing today, to help protect each other and always have the knowledge we need to do whatever we can to stay safe. And that's why I am so thrilled that you've agreed to come on I've Got a Secret today because your experience that you've been through couldn't be any more, sadly, educational. It's such a scary story to me. And the fact that you were well-educated and brave And you got through that. And I think it's just so important to share that with all of the secret squad out there. So after winning the impressive title of Miss South Africa, you had that life-changing event happen. Can you tell the listeners just exactly all about your carjacking incident? Yeah, sure, Robin. You know, I think we all have a story um, through our personal life experiences. And, um, you know, I believe that God can use your biggest tests and turn them into your biggest testimonies. And I think that's something that he did, did for me. Um, I was newly crowned Miss South Africa about three months into my reign. And I stopped at a red traffic light, broad daylight, half past five in the afternoon, peak hour traffic. Uh, about to turn into a parking lot. I was probably two blocks away from where I lived at the time. And mind you, on my way to events as Miss South Africa, so you can imagine, all dressed up, you know, hair, makeup, the the whole thing. And, 
you know, Robin, I just felt very uncomfortable and I've always been very aware, very uh, self-conscious about, you know, my surroundings, um, trying to be as, you know, take as much precaution as I possibly can. And I noticed four guys on my left-hand side of my car. And side note, in South Africa, we drive on the opposite side of the road and therefore we sit in the opposite side of the car, right? And um, anyway, I noticed these four men. I felt uncomfortable. Uh, You know, my heart just felt at an unease uh-huh. and I looked to my right and I noticed the guy on my right hand side about to cross the road and in South Africa Robin you know we have in, in specifically in uh, peak hour traffic we have so many vendors on the side of the of the road selling fruits and vegetables or whatever uh-huh. products and made goods and in my heart I was just you know telling myself oh they're just they're probably just going to sell me try and sell me something or you know maybe they just want to ask for some money i don't know that's what i what i wanted to believe but in my mind i knew that's not what was going to happen i i just i just had a you know a feeling i think that feeling also comes from um you know going through training going through self defense workshops women empowerment workshops self, uh, safety driving courses etc and um being taught to always be aware that awareness made me be uneasy and I actually took my safety belt off for whatever reason because I knew hey if this situation isn't going to go the way I wanted I wanted to be able to get out of that vehicle as quickly and as soon as possible. Can I ask you was that something you were taught prior yes to take the seatbelt off? Yes uh, because I, I was told, I remember, well, take your seatbelt off so that I don't have to reach to unbuckle it so that they might think I'm reaching for a weapon, right? Oh, and, yes. Um, so I did that. I took my safety belt off and I just kept facing forward, didn't make any eye contact. And the, the guy on my side of the car came and he knocked on the window and you know, I just kind of ignored it. And the next moment, um, the guy knocked again. And that time it was with a gun to my head. And one of the guys on the other, other side of the vehicle, uh, there was about four other males that I could count. There was another gun pointing to me from the other end of the vehicle, and I was, of course, trapped. And you think, well, Demi, why don't you drive away or, you know, make a turn? I couldn't. There was a barrier on my left-hand side. It was peak hour bumper-to-bumper traffic all around me. So I really, I was trapped, and I really had nowhere to go. And I immediately surrendered Robin, put my hands up, and you know, I said, this is materialistic things. It can all be replaced, right? Um, I got out of my vehicle and I gave them everything I had to give. And the moment I tried running away, the guy on my side of the vehicle grabbed me, pushed me back into the passenger seat, you know, shoving me over saying, get in, you're going with us. I just remember those words, get in, you're going with us. And <gasps> so you actually that- thought they just wanted your car and your possessions. And if you got yeah. out and you said, here, take everything, then they yeah. would take it and drive off. That's well, that's what I thought, right? Yes. So, uh, unfortunately, carjacks are, are pretty prevalent in that area. Um, and so, you know, that's something you hear about weekly, if not sometimes daily, unfortunately. Um, and so, I was hoping that it's just, just a carjack. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like to speculate, I don't know why they wanted to push me back into the car, why they wanted me to to take me with them. Um, but I just knew that it wasn't good. And I knew I had to get out of that situation. And Robin, two things I remembered while that guy was pushing me back into the passenger seat. I, I remember two things uh, that I had learned before, and that was don't go to the second destination. And the, and the second thing was the throat, 
right? And so, Robin, I'm not a self-defense expert, um, so I don't want to be teaching anyone anything. Uh, this is obviously very dangerous and lethal. But in that moment, I grabbed, I remember grabbing the steering wheel and punching the guy as hard as I could in his throat, and it gave me a split-second window of opportunity to get out of the vehicle and to run away. And and that's what I did. But Robin, you know what? Uh, you think that that's the most traumatic part of the story, right? Um, well, sadly, it's not because I remember getting out of that vehicle and running away as fast as I could. And, and this was a big road, a big avenue, probably four lanes each way. Um, like I said, peak hour traffic, so many, many people on the road. And I ran up that avenue you know, not knowing where I'm going to run run to, looking back, not knowing if I'll be shot in the back or chased down or, you know, taken by someone else. Um, and I knocked on about 30, 40 car windows. And do you want to take a guess how many people stopped? No, don't tell me. No one stopped. No one stopped, Robin. And that was the hardest part. I think the most traumatizing part out of all of it was knocking, making eye contact with people, ladies, men, families, couples, you know, all kinds of people making eye contact, knocking on their windows. Their windows were rolled down. I said, I've been carjacked. Please help me. Please help me. And no one oh. would stop me. Oh, my gosh. Were they fa- were they chasing you? Um, I, not from what I could tell. Oh. I, you know, trying to run in six-inch heels. Oh, <laughs> as gosh. So you got away, thank heavens, and you knocked on car windows begging for help and not one person attempted to help you i probably ran to the next maybe one or two traffic lights down the avenue that's a far away right that's a couple, yes. good couple. and i'm i go in kilo, kilometers and meters so i'm still learning the whole yard thing yep, here in this right. state um, and robin eventually a young girl about 19 years old she was younger than me at the time pulled over in her old little car that looked like she inherited from her great-grandpa and she over to the side and she rolled down her little window and she said hey do you need help are you okay and I said no I've been carjacked please help me she said get in and I tried to open the door and her door was locked and she had to lean over and you know pull the little knob up it was that's how old her little car was and she opened the car door and she hit me into sex get in let's go and she was able to take me to a safe place and you know Robin after that I think that moment was such a pivotal turning point in my life and in what I feel like I've been called to um, to do and my purpose in my life. Um, that was definitely a very big turning point because that, you know, not, I can't say that day, but that incident led me realizing that I do not want to be one of the 30, 40 cars that turn up their window, that look away, that pretend not to hear something, but I always want to be that girl that leans over opens her little car door and does with what she has, um, where she's at, makes a difference. Oh, God bless you. And God bless her. Oh, I, I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of you. I, I, I've been sitting here this whole time just just with my mouth open and, and I'm in shock that 30 to 40 cars would not even slow down, not even attempt to help you. And God bless this young lady. Did, did you get her name? Were you able to stay in contact with her? We, we did. I've since kind of lost a little bit of communication from moving to the States. But right, uh, right. 
because of that incident, I had a birthday party and we invited her. Oh. Her came and attended. So that was wonderful. And we kept in touch for a little bit afterwards. And, um, but, you know, just once again, you know, to make, to be so selfless, to put your own safety at risk for someone else. Um, my husband always says that one of the greatest forms of love is to make a decision on someone else's behalf. Uh-huh. And, and that's exactly what she did that day. And, and she has definitely inspired me so much mm-hmm. to do the same in so many different areas in my life since that moment. One thing I love to do is journal. And uh, sometimes yeah. I don't have time to sit down every night and journal. But on days such as yours with this young lady, if anything like that happens in my life, I will sit down and journal. And I always started out with, I met an angel today. Because I believe that when someone in, comes into our life like she did, that they are angels. They were sent there to protect us. So I will always start out with, I met an angel today. Oh, that's really sweet. I'm going to make a note of that. I love that you mentioned uh, journaling because after this incident, one of the ways that really helped me work through that trauma, because it was a very traumatic situation and it took me quite some time to work through. But one of the things that um, my clinical psychologist at the time that assisted me told me was Demi speak about this as much as possible because the more you speak about it the more you write about it the more you remove the emotion from that situation and later on it becomes more of a story that you're telling uh, not that I ever want to forget it because it played such a big important role in my life and that day broke my heart for so many women around the world uh, Robin that 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 are hurting and I know that. I was very fortunate to get away in that situation, but I know that that's not the outcome for way too many women in the world. And um, so we'll always be thankful in a weird sense for that situation. But yeah, that was something that really helped me to work through that situation. Uh, I totally agree with you about journaling. I think it is very therapeutic and it brings this inner peace, I guess, for me to sit and write. Maybe it's about wonderful things. Maybe it's about things that are troubling me, but I agree. I think journaling is phenomenal. Going back to your story, and then I want to ask you, of course, a thousand questions, but could, can you remember when you did your self-defense move by by holding onto the steering wheel to brace yourself and hitting that attacker in the throat, which stunned him, I know, and stopped him? Do you remember the look on his face? Was he just shocked? Robin, to be honest, I did not necessarily make face contact, but I think I was shocked. I mean, you know, I don't know if he expected me to fight back, but I certainly did not expect myself to fight back. So, you know, I think we were both probably shocked. Um, Not to make a joke out of it, but I think we were both probably shocked. Um, So not necessarily make a lot of eye contact, just... Uh It feels like an hour, but I know that it happened all in, you know, seconds. Yes. So it's always, it's hard to remember all the details. Well, as I said, I have so many questions about this that I know will help so many other people. But can you tell the Secret Squad how you learned self-defense? Robin, I, I have so many people that have cared so deeply for me in my life that I'm so extremely thankful for. And obviously, four of the most important people in my life are my parents, uh-huh. and they have Always, um, my parents are, are divorced and both remarried, and I have the most amazing step parents that have each played such a diverse role in my life that I'm so thankful for. Um, and you know, from just having very loving, protective parents, they always thank me on whatever you know 
teenage empowerment course or women empowerment course they could. I think my dad, uh, you know, <laughs> sent me on a safety driving course where they actually uh, handle things like carjacks and uh-huh. how to handle a tire on the side of the road by being yourself. I had to learn how to change a tire before <laughs> I could drive my first car. So, you know, just from having a parent that cares uh-huh. so much, I think, you know, it's so many times, I think parents can, and I can't speak out of experience, of course, but I think from, you know, friends that I have, that I have, parents can be scared to bring up uncomfortable conversations with their children. Um, But my parents were willing to have so many uncomfortable conversations with me that in the end led to my protection and to me being aware and me being able to have the power through the knowledge that I gained through these empowerment courses that I have been on. So that's something that I would like to say to parents out there. You know, if you're a mom or a dad listening right now, don't be scared to have uncomfortable conversations with your children. Um, if it's, you know, obviously out of caring for them and loving for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's awkward for a child in the moment, right? So it's, it's not comfortable to talk about carjacks and kidnaps. But in the end, children will understand that that's a conversation that was had out of love. That's exactly right. And the fact that you had self-defense courses growing up, the fact that you learned these safety measures and through the safety course, you were able to act out what you would do. You knew you had the ability. Who knew you would need it? But thankfully, you had the ability to walk yourself through it before and it kicked in. Your ability to do it saved your life. You know, Philip and I have two boys and they're seven years apart. And so when I was pregnant with our youngest, Jordan, Jay was, like I said, seven years old. And he came in one day and says, Mama, you know, I really believe that I need to take uh, some Taekwondo classes so I can protect my little brother or sister that's coming. So I, I can remember being very surprised that at such a young age, he was thinking that way, but he had an older cousin who was in Taekwondo. So I said, well, okay, if, if you feel like you need to do that. Uh, so I checked it out to see if children that age took those kind of classes. Yes, they did. So we enrolled him and he was so serious about it. And man, it, you know, I would take him to class and the class, the ages in the class were mixed adults with this seven-year-old. And he stuck with it until he became actually a fourth degree black belt. Because he was so serious about not only learning it for himself, but so he could protect his little brother. And I will never forget what all those classes taught him, not only self-defense, but what I was always so impressed with was in that particular martial arts class, they taught him respect for his elders. So every time he had to take a test for a new belt, they would ask him, when is your mother's birthday? When is your father's birthday? And when is your parents' anniversary? So that little seven-year-old, seven-and-a-half, eight-year-old would stand there and tell them, well, my mother's birthday is December 28th, 1953, and my father's, and they, they were married. And they would check his fingernails to make sure they were at the right length and, and clean. It was just, I was so impressed with not only was it self-defense, but respect. And they would ask him questions as to why he was taking this class. And he said, I want to protect my little brother. And so self-defense classes teach you so much more than just how to protect yourself or those you love. Who would know you would have the, the strength to just think so quickly on your feet? 
I, I don't know because, uh, you know, Robin, in a traumatic situation like that, it's so hard to know how, how the human body would react, right? You can have all the knowledge in the world and you could just end up freezing, right? Um, I don't think, you know, but I do think having that knowledge creates that power to be able to make a decision in those few split seconds that mm-hmm. you do have. And I think that was something that was very empowering to me. Um, you know, I love what you say about uh, self-defense workshops being so much more than just physical, practical, you know, moves and things. And to be honest, Robin, I, I am not a self-defense expert. I have never completed, you know, a, a, any form of belt color. Um, I think self-experience is just as important as being an expert. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes around that right now for all the listeners. What you're telling us is just as important as if you were an expert. <laughs> right. Because, you know, I do believe, uh, Robin, people that are self-defense experts, right, are practicing this probably every day of their life. And if this is a move that you have learned, you know, once or twice, um, I always say it's very hard to know that if you'll even remember. And, hey, what if they grab the other pinky? that you were told to grab, right? If you're told to grab the left pinky, what if they give you the right pinky, right? Yes. It's super example yes. like that, but you get what I'm saying. Yes. So uh, a couple things that I taught myself was literally just, you know, really just that one move was the throat. And I knew how to do that well. Um, that was the only thing that I had focused on. And um, I remember this one self-defense uh, course that I had gone on where they taught us how to hit through a plank that was probably about an inch and a half thick um and they would teach us the right technique to hit through that board and you know they'd be like if this is a throat you gotta this is how you gotta do it and so that was the only thing that i was focused on and so you know focus on one thing and focus to do the one thing perfectly and well and um to go on about self-defense workshops being so much more than just the practical I I ended up starting a campaign called Unbreakable because after that incident, I had so many young girls, moms, etc. reach out to me and say, Demi, how did you get out of it? We want to know the same thing. I need my daughter to learn that, right? And so I realized, wow, this isn't just something that I deal with. This is something that so many women um, are afraid of, that they don't feel empowered to take control of a certain situation. And so I partnered with field experts and went around South Africa and hosted, uh, I, w- I want to call them women empowerment workshops, right? And yes. we labeled it unbreakable because sometimes, you know, we can be hurt, we can be bruised. Um, but if we stand together, we can be unbreakable. Oh. And I think that as women, to stand together, to know that we are there for each other. Uh, you don't have to go through this by yourself. It is not weakness when you ask for help. And I think one thing that I really noticed through Unbreakable was, you know, the first time women would come up to me, little girls would come up to me and they'd be like, hey, Demi, uh, thank you for sharing that story because for the first time I I feel like I have the confidence to share my story. And, and not only that, you know, I think Unbreakable was just such an empowering sisterhood that made women feel like they weren't alone. And, um, you know, I had ladies come up to me and say, Demi, you know what, I'm going to give in that job application. I'm going to ask for a raise. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to break up with my boyfriend because this is a toxic relationship, you know? And I think that's what I want to embody and want to inspire women to strive for, to be able to make the best decisions for themselves, whatever that might be. 
Oh, that is beautiful. I love that. And thank you so much for that, for just believing that and and how important it is to share that with all women of all ages across the world, because that is, that's beautiful and that's so important. Thank you so much for that. Uh, can I ask you again about your experience? When you knew that you needed to disable him the best you could, and that would be to punch him in the throat. So you're saying wow. that was with your fist. You were, you needed, that wasn't with your, like your forearm or anything. That was to just take your fist and hit as hard as you could in his throat. Yeah. I mean, Robin, in that moment, I was, you know, all pushed over to the passenger seat and I definitely did not have my perfect stance, my perfect position, my perfect arm. Um, I just remember grabbing the steering wheel to have some form of support and just, I, I'm pretty sure the side of yeah. my fist, I'm, if you're in the perfect position, I'm right. You're just your fist. That's yeah. the way. But I mean, whatever you can, I think my, even my forearm might have hit him in some way or another. Um, but, you know, he chose enough for me to to get out of that vehicle and to it. run away. <gasps> I love that. And also, I know we've heard it before, but I think it's, again, important to repeat that you had the good sense to know never go to a second location if it's at all possible. I don't want to say, you know, those who have had to go to a second location were wrong to do so. Of course, it's if you have the power within you to not go to that second location, that's what the experts say. Never do what you can to never go to that second location. And um, also, I love that you said you went with your instinct. Take that seatbelt off so you have the ability to move around. You were sitting still. You, you sensed what was about to happen so you gave yourself the ability to move and get out of the car and run if you could. I think that's yeah, right. such valuable information. It feels wrong. It probably is wrong, yes. right? Yes. And I think we have just been blessed with that six days of intuition. And sometimes I think it's the Holy Spirit that, yes. you know, if something feels wrong, it probably is wrong. So, uh, you know, I've that day did not necessarily push me to, uh, go deeper into self-defense, but it, it pushed me to be comfortable with being cautious. Yes. It made me more comfortable with being cautious. And I think that incident made me to stop caring whether other people are comfortable. I stopped being silent so that other people could stay comfortable. I love it. And, you know, that goes for, for things go, like going into an elevator. If you feel uncomfortable, Get out on the next floor. Get in the next elevator. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you feel uncomfortable walking to your car by yourself, ask someone that you trust around you. Hey, can you walk me to my car? There's so many times where uh, my friends and I would go out to dinner and we'd all walk to one car together. And if we, we usually try and drive together, if we can't drive together, we walk to our car together, one car together, and we drop each other off at our vehicles, wherever they might be. And we wait till that door is locked, till we can safely take off. Um, I think, you know, Robin, so many times society has pushed us as women into believing, hey, don't make a big deal about that. You know, don't, that, don't make a fuss about that. It's really nothing. Don't, it's, it's stupid. It's silly. But, you know, some things aren't silly. That's right. Something to be a big deal. And I think us as women can, in certain instances, we have to make a big deal about that because our lives are with that. That's exactly Never right. You're never to, I never want to instill fear in anyone, but I'm not instilling fear. I'm saying, don't be oblivious 
be aware, make decisions that are the best for you. And if that makes some of you uncomfortable, then you know what? Sorry for them. Oh, I so agree. And I want to say right now, even though we're far from over and we'll do this at the end, I do want the listeners out there to know that they can go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com. And we're going to have all of these pointers that you've just listed on I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com. And of course, we're going to have all of the information about Unbreakable on that website. So we'll talk about that more at the end of the podcast, but you have shared so much already that is so important and such great information for the listeners that I don't want them to think that it's gone by too fast and they can't uh, go somewhere to get it. So please, listeners, know that all of this great information that could possibly save your life will be on I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com. But Timmy, let me ask you this. When this event happened to you, wasn't all of this just months before you were competing in the Miss Universe pageant? Yeah, it was. It was really, it happened in June of 2017, and I left to go and compete at Miss Universe um, that was held in Las Vegas at that at that time um, in November, early November. So it was about three, four months oh. um, after that incident that happened. So it was pretty traumatizing, and I... And I really just had to have a very strong mindset. Um, and thankfully, I was just surrounded by by a lot of people that loved me, cared for me, was there for me. And that definitely helped me and carried me through that situation. Um, but you know what? And I also, I wasn't going to let um, let fear rob me from my dreams. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but you actually only have one chance to compete at Miss Universe ever. So it really is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity you have to be your country's uh, selected representative. And once you win Miss South Africa, you can never win Miss South Africa again. And therefore, you can never compete at Miss Universe again. So it truly was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that I had worked so hard for. And uh, I just knew that, you know, I'm not going to let fear rob me of pursuing my dreams. Wow. That truly speaks of your strength. And uh, that, that truly is amazing that that's such a traumatizing event in your life. Uh, did not keep you from moving on to pursuing your dream just within months, within months that you said, no, I'm not going to let this stop me. I've worked too hard for this. And you went within months later, you went to Las Vegas. So you left your country, came over to America, to Las Vegas, and you won that pageant. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, it was my first time to ever sit foot on American soil. So oh. here I was with my three little suitcases and a couple of evening gowns uh, on my way to Las Vegas competing. And it was so funny that I won that evening about seven, eight o'clock. And I remember leaving for the for the airport to move to New York City <gasps> that very next morning around 3, 4 a.m. So got very little sleep. And um, that was just such a you know, amazing experience and um, a platform that I've gained through that that I will ever be grateful for. And probably one of the greatest honors of my life was to represent my home country, South Africa. And just so grateful for the platform I gained through that and the ability. And I think when we use our platform for something bigger than just ourselves, that is when we can really make a difference and make an impact in our communities, our country, and essentially our worlds. I am so happy for you. I am so humbled. The first page of a book never tells the full story. 
And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. I think it's time for us to right now do something that we do with every podcast. We do two things that are consistent with every podcast. And the first one is our drink of the day. Oh, and so Yes, it's a lot of fun. And sadly, we're not together in person to, to enjoy this together, but virtually we are still going to do it. And we create a drink of the day that I think applies to our topic and to our guest. And so in honor of your South African roots and Miss South Africa crown, I wanted to feature a drink from your spectacular home country. Today's drink is made with Amarula. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Add a popular, delicious South African liqueur and made of sugar cream and the fruit from the marula tree. Now, am I saying marula right? You're saying it right. And I have a very funny story for you um, that I think your listeners will enjoy. But I just have to say, I can see the drink on the screen and it's so beautifully presented. Um, I presented it in a Baccarat shot glass because they're really very tall. Many people drink Amarula on its own over ice. But today I made an Amarula shooter. (laughs) This calls for five ounces of Frangelico, five ounces of Amarula, five ounces of vanilla vodka, whipped cream and brown sugar for topping. All you do is layer all of the ingredients, Frangelico first, then Amarula, then vodka, (laughs) top with whipped cream and brown sugar. If you enjoy Bailey's, you must try Amarula. Now, this is the most beautiful drink, and it's so fun looking. I'm sitting here holding it all by myself, but I'm going to say cheers. Cheers. I have a glass of water right here. Cheers. To you and your beautiful achievement of Miss Universe. I also have water. So just just so you'll understand, I'm not going to shoot this (laughs) and drink it all by myself. So the listeners will know we started this podcast at 11 o'clock in the morning. So, (laughs) but I think it's beautiful. And I think it's so fitting for you and your country so I want all of the listeners to know that they can go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com and you will get to see this beautiful drink in honor of our beautiful guest today and your win of Miss Universe. That's so sweet. Thank you. I'm so happy you guys chose the Amarula. It's actually a really very funny story. So uh, if you look at the bottle that it comes in, there's an a elephant uh, on, on the front. And so you think, well, what is... Elephants have to do with uh, marula fruit. So the marula fruit, it, it originates, you know, in Africa, specifically Southern uh, Africa, and um, it's a tree, and the fruits that the tree carry are called the marulas, marula fruits. And so it's really fun. You can actually go and, and YouTube this, and maybe when you need a little five-minute break, you can go and look it up. So the fruits end up falling off the tree, and they, uh, what do you call it, ferment, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Elephants come along and elephants love uh, eating fruits and so they'll eat the fruits, but the fruits are fermented. Mm-hmm. So that means that they pretty much end up making the elephants a little wobbly when they oh. walk. So mm-hmm. it's really funny and that's, I think, the reason that the elephant is on the cover of the, the bottle. That's so cute. That's so funny because imagine how many 
of those? What about what's the size of, of, of one fruit? I'd say probably a pear size, Ooh. like a um, probably a pear size. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a little smaller, depending where your pears come from, I guess. Oh, how <laughs> funny. Imagine how many those elephants must eat to get tips a little tipsy when they walk. That's so cute. I've never heard of it, but I'm going to pick up a bottle of it just to have so in your honor. And whenever I have a guest, I'm going to tell that story and tell them why I have it. Conversation starter for sure. (laughs) Thank you. So can you speak to the listeners about who may be thinking something like that would never happen to me? Yeah, I am. I think I, I think we've all been probably in that situation. Um, in South Africa, our our crime rate is unfortunately, you know, I think much higher than in the US, and that's something that I've had to kind of get used to. Um, and I, you know, I just think we've all been in that situation where we think, oh no, that couldn't happen to me. Oh no, that only happens in Liam Neeson movies, right? Right. Um, I, I'm fine, but but really, it can happen to anyone. You know, Robin, I've since that incident and since Unbreakable, I've gotten very heavily um, into the fight alongside my husband um, against the fight against human trafficking. Uh, And the statistics tell us that 40.3 estimated people, million people are trapped in human trafficking right now as we speak. Mm. And that number just seems unfathomable, but it also, you know, the statistics also tell us that it's an estimated 150 billion US dollar industry worldwide and growing annually. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is a very real um, reality that I think a lot of people don't always uh, realize. And I think a, a reason why a lot of people just, just prefer saying, hey, that's not going to happen to me is because it's hard to deal with that. It's mm-hmm. hard to deal with the, with the realities. Um, and so I think, you know, that's also a choice you get to make is to choose to be ignorant in a sense Mm -hmm. and to choose not to make any decisions that could possibly save your life. And it can sometimes be very simple um, decisions like just texting your estimated time of arrival or, Hey, running to the grocery store, we'll be back in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, probably. Um, So, you know, I think it's very important first step I think to be able to protect yourself is just to, to realize that mm-hmm. it can happen to anyone please not to be naive don't be naive it can happen to you always be and prepared always be prepared no matter what country you're from what state you're from a human trafficking is prevalent in every single state around the U.S. Um, all around the world in every single country um, so it's you know it's a very mm-hmm. very real you know, carjacking seems to have picked up lately, especially here in the U.S. It's like you read about it and hear about it so much more lately. So if anything, I think we should all be very careful when we do pull up anywhere, of course, in a public parking lot or, or anywhere like that. But I've noticed that they've started trying to carjack uh, people in their homes, in their driveways when they pull up at home. It seems like uh, I just read about it all the time lately. So it pays to, even when you do make it home, you were just a couple of blocks from your destination, but even when you pull up at home, before you turn the car off and before you get out, 
look behind you, look in your rear view mirror before you and keep your doors locked, look around. I've started doing that. I've started being very careful. Just because I'm at home does not mean I'm I'm safe. Yeah. Do you agree? Uh, I totally agree. And I think that's a very good point that you make. You know, in South Africa, I was kind of taught, I'm saying South Africa because that's where I, I did right. most of my workshops, but I was taught there. Uh, and, and most homes have kind of a gate uh, mm-hmm. in front of them. Um, so I was taught to open the, the gate, have the remote ready, open the gate, pull into your driveway, make sure the gate closes behind you. Then you open the garage door. Then you pull into the garage and you make sure the garage door is closed before you unlock and open your door. And that way you can prevent any intruders from one coming into into your, your yard and mm-hmm. two coming into your home. So you can also be protective of your family members, whoever else might be, you know, living with you in your home. So that's exactly just, right. I don't even turn my car off until I know for, for certain I'm safe. I'm at home, the garage door is down. And I'm safe because if I have to keep that that car running and drive through the garage door, I'll do it. I, yeah, I will do it. It's exactly, Robin. And I think a lot of people think, oh, someone just, you know, kind of notices a car or a person that looks like an easy target. But a lot of the times it can be premeditated. It can be that people were, you know, following you, that yes. they were looking. And you can, you know create precaution by noticing, hey, that car is always sitting in the street. Why are they always sitting in the street when I come home? Yes. You know, maybe it's just changing up your routine. Like, thankfully, we don't have any form of a set routine in this household. It's every day it goes, right? And sure, you know all about that, but um, maybe it's just changing up your routine, changing up your route home uh, every now and again, just being aware of how many times did that car actually make the same turn as I how many of us actually notice which cars are driving behind us yes. uh, along some traffic? Yes. Do you know one time, just reminded me of it, Philip was out of town and I came home and it was after dark. I had been here at the office working and I came home and there were some flowers in the kitchen that had been delivered. And mm-hmm. But I looked at them and I thought, this is such an odd looking arrangement of flowers. It didn't have, you could tell that they had been picked up at the grocery store and put in a really bizarre container, glass container, but there wasn't a card or anything. And so I thought, what are these doing here? And we have a a housekeeper that came in about that time. And I said, where did these come from? And she said, a really odd van came in and delivered them today. And I said, who are they for? And they said, oh, for the owner. It was just all bizarre. So right then I thought, "Mm, this is not good. And we have security cameras at our gate. And so at the phone, I can see who's buzzed the gate and tells me who they are and why they're there. And so I'm sitting right there at the phone and it rang. And I looked at the camera and two really scruffy, scary young men said, yeah, I'm here to pick up the flowers that were delivered incorrectly today, but they weren't even that grammar correct. (laughs) They just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, I'm sorry, there weren't any flowers delivered here today because they were wanting to come back in after dark and say they were picking up those flowers, but that's not the, that wasn't the plan. And I knew immediately because I was looking right at them. I said, no, we didn't have any flowers delivered here today. And the passenger looked through the window and said, oh, to the driver, there's a camera on that speaker. And then they both looked away and so that I couldn't see them. And 
it was so obvious. So even circumstances like that, you always have to be aware, like these flowers are not really from a florist. Speaking of deliveries, I think another thing that's so easy, it's not going to take anything away from you, right? Our, our doors are always locked and we know what deli- the deliveries we are expecting on which days, right? Yeah, yes. you have the odd one here, there is a surprise here or there. But for the most part, we know what deliveries we are expecting. And so whenever we do have guests or a house speaker or a dog sitter at our, at our home, you know, we'll tell them, this delivery is coming at this time approximately. And if anything else comes, just don't open the door. They can leave it on the front porch. Those flowers will be okay for another five minutes. And that's right. you just phase once the delivery has left. That's, you know, you don't that's right. You answer the door uh, immediately. So That's exactly right. Thank you. Yes, I totally agree with you. One quick question I've been dying to ask you. Were your attackers ever caught? They were not. Uh, they ended up taking my cell phone and uh, we could trace my phone a SIM card back to where it was. But they ended up taking the SIM card out of my phone and just threw it in some uh, trash can downtown. Um, we had taken fingerprints. I actually think I ended up leaving my vehicle because I didn't want to get back into it or touch anything yeah. in the parking garage at the uh, the. The, the mall that I was going to, the centrum that I was going to. And I left my car for a couple of days with the inspectors and the police just doing their investigation and taking uh, fingerprints, etc. But I uh, know they were unfortunately never called. We got to that, but no, they... Um, I'm so sorry. The statement, yeah, you know, you wish that, that the reason for them to be called to that doesn't happen to, to anyone else. Mm-hmm. So... Um, they have not. I'm so sorry. So now I know you work closely with your husband, Tim Tebow, in the fight to end human trafficking and sexual assault. Tell us about the rescue team. Yeah, that's something that we're so excited about. So, uh, you know, I've been in, pretty much in this fight um, against human trafficking and against gender-based violence since this incident uh, in 2017. And um, my husband's been in this fight for many years before. Or that um, he has a, a very unique story himself through his his father who was a missionary abroad and um, saw four girls being being sold and on this mission trip I think his dad had twelve hundred and fifty dollars in his purse and um, you know took out all the money and said this is all I have and bought the four girls pretty much and they ended up him together with with this other people that were on the mission trip with him. Uh, hit the four girls in a nearby church until they could find a safe space for them to go. And that's how Tim got into this fight. And, you know, with the Tim Tupper Foundation, have been able to establish um, more and more and more safe homes. And uh, the last about year, we've really decided that this is such a, such a tremendous evil, probably the biggest evil that we believe we are facing today uh, is human trafficking. And we've really decided that, you know, to be able to even make a dent in this evil, we are going to need hands. We are going to need people that are able to jump in this fight with us. And so, you know, we've dived very heavily into this fight. And, and one question we always get is, well, you know, how I don't have a lot to give, but but I want to help. How can I help? And one of the ways is by being a prayer warrior. And the other way is by being an advocate. And uh, a third way that we've identified is by being a defender, by actually giving, uh, you know, funding because 
putting up safe homes, taking care of the ladies, the aftercare, the restoration programs, that, that takes funding. Um, so we've identified a platform on the Tintigo uh, Foundation website that is called the Rescue Team, and anyone can sign up to be a part of the Rescue Team. We share very discreetly, of course, um, for the, you know, reason of safety, uh, very discreetly share certain situations that we need prayers for. Um, we share, uh, you know, verified information, statistics to help educate um, our rescue team on the situation, on the stats against human trafficking, uh, you know, so that we can equip them to be advocates, to share with their friends, to share with their families, to share with their co-workers, to share with their social media platforms. And so, uh, that is the rescue team, and it's on attemptyboroundfoundation.org. Um, so anyone can sign up for that and be a part of the rescue team. Oh, I love that. I, I, I'm so passionate about that. I feel like the four of us should get together and have dinner because Philip and I also share this, this passion. My foundation, When Georgia Smiled, benefits those affected by sexual assault and domestic violence. Philip has done so many shows on human trafficking, and it is just heartbreaking. It is something that you cannot hear about it and not want to get involved. So I love that your foundation, your husband's foundation, has the opportunity for everyone to get involved. I am so proud of that, and I hope that our listeners will please go to the Tim Tebow website and read all about the rescue team, and please sign up and be a part of that. You and Tim recently got married. We did. Right before the lockdown. How has the first year of marriage been through these very strange circumstances? Oh, my goodness. Wow. It's definitely, hey, we've pretty much been in quarantine uh, for the first year of our marriage. So it's pretty much just been honeymoon season this whole last year, I guess. Uh, it, it obviously, it's been an adjustment. Um, I mean, marriage in itself is an adjustment, uh, moving in together for the first time um, and, you know, figuring out each other's quirks and, and where to fit in. So that's been, it's been such a blessing, I think, you know, to have so much time together in our first year of marriage was was really a big blessing. Of course, there, it, this last year has caused so much sadness um, and tragedy for so many people. Um, but in a way, I think, you know, it's also um, given us time um, together. And uh, we're very grateful for that on our end. So we got three puppies uh, about three months into marriage. And that's been crazy. I have zero garden left, but it's okay. <laughs> They're supportive and they bring us so much joy. So... That's, oh, congratulations. That's you adopted three puppies. Philip and I just adopted two. And I have to say oh. after, we'll be married 45 years in August. And we just adopted those two puppies. But three puppies, that's that's a lot. But you know what? We're huge, huge animal lovers, especially when it comes to dogs. We've had cats, snakes, everything you could think of throughout the 45 years with our children. But the dogs are like children, are they not? <laughs> They are like children. We are big animal lovers as well. So our dogs are pretty much our our little babies. Oh. And they are just 
really bring us so much joy. So congratulations to your new members to your family. <laughs> what, what are their names? Well, we have two great Pyrenees and they're mixes of something else. Like I said, we rescued them, but they're, uh, I named one and Philip named the other one. So one, the one I named has a blue eye and a brown eye. So I took that into account. And then when we buried just the first few hours we had him, he was just so smart. He went straight to the potty pad. So I said, oh, this one is so smart. And because of his eyes, I named him Einstein. (laughs) That is very smart. That's such a smart name. I love that. We have a a Dalmatian who is hearing impaired and she has a blue and a brown eye as well. And she's the most beautiful little thing. Oh, how cute. I know there's something so cute and sweet and so unique about Einstein having two different colors of eyes. And then the other one, his brother has two of the brightest blue eyes. And so, and then Philip was naming this one and we had him for two days before Philip had a name for him. And I kept coming up with different names. Of course, it was his option. But the next day I said, hey, Philip, what about Newman? Now, I was thinking of Paul Newman and I didn't really think Philip would get it. You know, I don't know why I didn't think he would go straight. He goes, I'm not naming my dog after a salad dressing. (laughs) I went, oh, you got it. So anyway, he named him Blue. There we go. <laughs> so we have Blue and Einstein. What are your dog's names? Okay, so we have a Kobe, and we have a Paris. She was named after our wedding location, which is La Parisi. She was born the day after our, our wedding, mm. and we have Chunk because he's the Bernice Mountain dog. And so when we got him, he was literally just a chunk of fur with two little eyes, oh. and is like my shadow where I am. He is. He's probably lying right outside the door just waiting for me to finish up. I love that. I love finding out how pets are named. I just love it. Okay, so the second thing that we do with every podcast is play a game. Okay. Do you like playing games? I love games. Okay. So I'm pretty competitive, so I'm I'm, I'm good with this one. (laughs) I am too. I love playing games. That's one reason why I said, okay, when I do this podcast, we have to play a game at the end of every podcast. So sadly, this is almost over. But again, just like the drink, we create a game that is in honor of the guest. So in honor of you and your amazing, unbelievable, well-earned title of Miss Universe, we are going to play a game called... Miss I guess. Of course, that stands okay. for I've got a secret. <laughs> we will take turns answering five question rounds, competing for the coveted title of. Oh, that's a pretty tiara. <laughs> Miss I've got a secret. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was this was just for the game. So just for the listeners that are out there, I have just put on a huge sparkly crown, but I'm taking it off because I haven't won the game. <laughs> <laughs> it looks beautiful on you though, but I'm coming for that crown. It's yours if you win. Okay, so first question. And do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh you go first. Oh, okay. Number one, to win the title of Miss Igas, what is one secret that you have never told anyone? Oh, <laughs> and I want all the listeners, and I want you to know that I don't know these questions. My staff, 
created the question since I'm playing. So the first question was, what is Mm. the one secret that you have never told anyone? Oh, gosh, a secret that I've never told anyone. Okay, so I have absolutely no talent, and I have always fantasized of being a singer on stage. And truly, I will pretend with a fake microphone or whatever, and I will belt out songs like you wouldn't believe. So that's kind of a secret. I, I really, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I really wish I could sing, and, and I pretend like I can. Is that, that good is enough? Amazing. That is amazing. That is, I mean, yeah, that counts. Okay. I think that counts. I always dreamed of being a Broadway actor and actress, and I realized I can't sing or dance. So there went my Broadway dreams. So okay, yeah, we have that in common for sure. Okay, good, good. Okay, the next one is, you're going to start this time, okay? Okay, perfect. What is your secret guilty pleasure? It could be food, TV, music, etc. Your secret guilty pleasure. Hmm, there's a lot probably. Um, <laughs> I've got a sweet tooth, so definitely something sweet, probably some form of chocolate, but like real chocolate. Uh-huh. Um, I like a specific one that we all love in South Africa and that's called dairy milk. I know it's not very probably prominent here in the States, but the dairy milk, the cat dairy chocolates, they were my favorite, just the plain milk chocolate. That's that's probably my guilty pleasure. Very, very good guilty pleasure. Let's see. My secret guilty pleasure is I like really chilled tequila all by itself. There we go. (laughs) Okay, that's a guilty pleasure. I don't do it often. Okay, next one. What do you think is the one super secret to flirting with your husband that works every time? Oh, gosh. Um, I think a secret I have, our our pastor the other day, we were going through Song of Solomon, and he he made such a funny joke. He said, um, you know, wives, you know, sometimes... Just hold on to your husband's bicep. That's the best way of flirting with them. And he said, you know, that tendon that's supposed to be a bicep. So, okay, my husband does not have a tendon, but sometimes I will just hold his bicep. (laughs) That is so cute. That's how Philip flirts with me. He'll say, you want to feel my, and he'll flex his arm. I'll go, oh, yeah. And it's really cute when they flex a little bit, right? It really is. That is so cute. Okay, so Uh the next one, and you start this. Tell the secret squad your secret ingredient in your skincare or makeup routine. Secret. Oh, I've got one. I have such a big secret, (gasps) but I kind of recently caught on to it, and it's vitamin C. Yes. I know vitamin C. So anyway, I love using vitamin C. And then also uh, rose oil. Rose oil is another one that I live by. It's... It works so well for me. It's so hydrating and moisturizing. And then the vitamin C kind of just clears out any breakouts or if you have some pigmentation, I feel like that's really helped my skin a lot. So I'll give you two secrets. Oh, I love that. I love that. So you like to put vitamin C on just right on your skin. Like a serum. Uh, like a serum, C. yes. I, lo- I totally agree with you. And rose oil. Yeah, rose oil, specifically like an essential oil or yes. rose oil. Yes. That's good for your skin. So a rose oil. Oh, I love that. I'm going to go home and order some rose oil. 
because I love essential oils. Ooh, I love that tip. You get different different kinds, so mist or anything. It smells so good too if you like those. I love that tip. Okay, so my secret tip is one that I've just discovered just recently, and I have to say I'm in love with it. And it is a product that I've been putting under because I do my own makeup for camera and everything because I love doing makeup. So this is a product that I have discovered recently. It's by Laura Mercier. And it is a primer that you put on under your foundation. You put on your moisturizer. Then you put this on. and And it comes in a pale pink tube. And it also comes in kind of a very light gray. It's white, but it's got a light gray tint to it, but you put a little bit on and you have to let it set and let it dry. Then you dot your foundation on. Your foundation looks flawless. Flawless. Well, it does look flawless right now. Thank you. If you're wearing that right now, it works. I am. I'm wearing that. I'm wearing it right now. And I have one other secret, I guess I should say, that I have turned to that I think with this primer and then my foundation, I'm really in love with cream blush. Ooh, I love cream makeup products. I feel like it just, it looks more natural. (laughs) Your skin accommodates it better. Um, I have one more secret I'll share. You know, the little eye patches that you can wear, your little patches, right? That so I put them in the freezer before I put them on, just for a couple of seconds, just as so they get really cold. And I feel like that makes a very big difference from just taking them out of the package or putting them in the freezer just for a couple couple of seconds, not even minutes. Very good idea. You know what you could also do? You could put a bowl of ice, uh-huh. ice water, and let the packet just sit in that for a little bit. That's a great idea too, yeah. But I think that is a great idea to get them that cold. Before you put them right. on. Oh, I love like that. This is a whole podcast on its own. I know. <laughs> okay, so number five, last question, and I'm going first. If awarded the title of Miss I've Got a Secret, pick your dream location to throw a party and celebrate. There are bonus points for a signature cocktail to serve at that party. Well, we all know what my cocktail would be, but okay, well, any dream location for a party, as far as I'm concerned, is at my home. And my signature cocktail would be ice cold shots of tequila. <laughs> yes. That is so fun. Um, if I had to pick a dream location, and maybe I'm a little homesick, I don't know, but Cape Town is my favorite city that I've personally ever been to. And it's just got the mountains and the ocean and beautiful views and amazing food. And so Cape Town would probably be my dream location. And gosh, I'm not a big cocktail person, but maybe something with like, do you get like a cinnamon? I love cinnamon. Like maybe a cinnamon orange. I like that combination. Yes. I'll do it. I'll go with a virgin, the demi virgin orange cinnamon spice cocktail. Oh, that sounds. <laughs> I just sounds, made that up. <laughs> I think that sounds fabulous especially because it's a signature drink. And you know what? Unanimous decision on this podcast room. You are the winner. Oh, I feel like that was a very close poll. <laughs> okay, but expect this beautiful crown in the oh, mail because that location sounds absolutely gorgeous. I have never been to Cape Town. And your signature drink is 
so wonderful. So you are the winner of Miss I've Got a Secret. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. And that makes me really sad because Debbie Lee, thank you so much for talking with me today on such a very important topic. And can you tell the listeners how to find more information about you, Unbreakable, and the Tim Tebow Foundation online? Yeah, so uh, you can just go to demilee.com or the Tim Tebow Foundation.org. We're also on any social media platforms. I don't know, wherever. Yes, with social media these days, we all feel much more connected, right? So that's probably where you can find us. Oh, that's so wonderful. And listeners, remember to visit I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for more information on today's episode, including recipes and blogs. I'll see you all next Wednesday. Bye-bye.